Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Economics Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping young people be successful with money. Join us as we discuss personal finance, financial literacy, investing, the psychology behind being financially fit, and much more. Here's your host, Jerry Dixon. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Millennial Economics Podcast. Um, housekeeping as normal, wherever you listen to the podcast, a lot of you are on Spotify, a lot of you folks are on Apple Podcasts and various others. Um, if you would subscribe on Spotify or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, um, that greatly helps get the podcast in front of new people looking for content like we talk about here on this episode. So, all right, let's get right into it. Um, we are going to do an answering Reddit episode. Um, and it's an interesting one, I thought, and it's a relevant one. Um, so I'm excited to discuss that with you all. Um, let's just get right into it. Um, so the title of the post is, What are some helpful financial behaviors in a period of inflation? And it's a little bit of a longer post, so, so just bear with me here. And it reads, Listening to NPR's Planet Money, they seem to have a thesis that prices are high because everything is stuck on a boat. My local gravel quarry has raised their price for a load of gravel, a commodity I need for my rural driveway from $280 to $300. In November 1st, it goes up another 10%. As I told the delivery driver yesterday, I'm pretty sure none of that gravel is stuck on a boat somewhere. My local utility, Ameren, is asking the Public Utility Commission for an 11% raise in rates. I'm pretty sure none of that electricity is stuck on a boat somewhere. Social Security has pegged CPI inflation at 6%, but apparently the CPI doesn't buy wire, lumber, copper pipe, steel tubing, nails, paint, furnaces, or anything else you use to fix a house. All of that stuff is through the roof. It seems we are entering a period of inflation, whether short or long term remains to be seen. What are some wise financial behaviors in a period of inflation? Should you pay off a mortgage or pay it later? Make large purchases or put them off? What kinds of investments do well in inflammationary periods? How should someone on a fixed income behave financially? What industries tend to thrive or suffer? So I just thought this was really interesting. And, you know, I am no economist. <laughs> so I'll get that off out of the, out of the way right away. So the, the big, biggest thing I can do is just give you my thoughts on kind of what I'm doing and, what, and how, how the, the numbers work, okay? So to get the definition, and we've talked about this before, actually I think to a pretty decent extent in episode one, um, way back when, about a year ago, about what inflation is and essentially what it is, it's the cost of goods and services increasing over time. Um, I believe the average rate of inflation is between 3 and 4%, maybe 25 to 4% each year. So that means that goods and services on average, okay, and this is not necessarily law, um, and certain goods and services may increase at different rates, but on average, um, we see a 25 let's say, to 4% um, rate of inflation every year, cost of goods and services increasing. So what does this mean for us, okay? What does this mean for us? Well, it means that our dollar becomes less valuable over time, okay? If we earn a dollar today in 2021, in 2030, it will, we will be able to buy less with that dollar than we will in nine years, 
Okay, so let's let's look at an example, or let's just give an example with theoretical numbers. Okay, so say the average cost of a home fifty years ago was I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, well now the average cost of a home, let's just say, and again we're using theoretical numbers, is a hundred thousand dollars. All right, so if you fifty years ago saved up a hundred thousand dollars in the hopes that you'd be able to buy a home with it when you retired and you just have it in, had it in a savings account that earned nothing in interest. Today, you would pull that $100,000 out, it'd be sitting there all happy, and you would go to buy, house, buy a house and you would find yourself disappointed because you wouldn't be able to find, <laughs> find much for $100,000, um, if anything at all, okay? This is due to inflation, all right? We all know the price of gas. The price of gas 50 years ago um, it's nothing compared to the price of gas now. Um, let's, another example, a loaf of bread, right? You might be able to go to the grocery store and for less than a dollar, much less than a dollar 50 years ago, buy a loaf of bread. Now you take that dollar to the grocery store, you're not even able to buy a few slices, okay? <laughs> Again, just giving you an example. This is what inflation does. Um, so the next thing we need to address then when we understand what inflation is is how do we address it with our personal finances so that we don't fall victim to those examples that I just gave you. We don't turn into the person that is just socking money away in savings, hoping that in 50 years we'll be able to buy exactly what we're able to purchase now. Okay? Um, so before we get into that, um, there's going to be a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, kind people, podcasters. I don't know if that's a word or not. But we are rolling with it. I wanted to tell you a little bit about acorns today. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know my passion for acorns is strong um, because I truly believe it's a great platform and I use it personally. Um, so I can tell you over the past four years, acorns has been an incredible asset to me in my investing. It's where I learned about investing and dividends and compound interest. Um, and again, I still use it to this day. Um, it is a platform that is absolutely fantastic, fantastic for people that are new to investing. Again, I'm not new to investing, somewhat new. I still use it. But for those of you who are looking to start investing or are looking for an easy platform to start investing, I can't recommend Acorns enough. It has two great features among many, uh, but I'll just touch on a few here, the two that I particularly use. Number one is the Roundup feature. So when you open your Acorns account, you can actually link one of your cards, credit card or debit card, to the account. Acorns will round up each transaction that you make with that card and invest the spare change into your investment account there with Acorns. How cool is that? If you're looking to do something that's automated, that's gonna force you to invest every time you spend your money, this is a great feature. I have used it. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. The second feature, which I use far more, is just the recurring investments. You can set a specific dollar amount and a specific day of the week or a specific day of the month or time of the month to automatically invest money. If you listen to the previous podcast and you listen to my story about um, how I started investing, or not my previous podcast, but one of my podcasts before, about how I started investing. I downloaded Acorns and I started investing $5 every Friday. And it wasn't a lot, but over the months and months and me even forgetting that money was going in there, I learned about compound interest and I learned about what dividends were. So you can start off small and now I use that same recurring feature just with a little bit more money, but I do it every week. Um, so if you're interested in Acorns um, and the many services that they provide, 
Um, so not only roundups, not only recurring investments, but um, retirement accounts and accounts for your kids, um, tons of things. Um, I, I can't recommend Acorns enough. There is a link down in the show notes. If you use that link, my referral link, you're going to get $5 added to your account um, at no charge to you. No charge. You don't have to even put any money into that account to access that $5. It's absolutely free money. So if you are interested in that and learning more about Acorns and trying it out for yourself, go to the show notes, click on the link, and you will get $5 added to your account. Um, That is all that I'll talk about this, but you'll probably hear me talk about it more in the show. Um, But here is back to the episode. All right, and we're back. Okay, so we're discussing what we need to do um, to hedge against inflation, to make sure that our money isn't decreasing in value all the time, every year, especially in a state like this poster is talking about of quote-unquote hyperinflation, where inflation rates seem to be increasing at a very dramatic rate, okay? So the one thing that I always think of personally is that the worst thing I can do with my money right now is just keep it in a savings account. The worst thing I can do with my money is just keep it in a savings account. Now, this isn't to say you shouldn't have an emergency fund. This isn't to say that you know if you're looking to if you're if you're um, looking to build up a fund for something specific, maybe that you're wanting to buy this year. Maybe you're saving up for a home or whatever. We're we're talking a little bit more long term, okay? Savings accounts, um, high yield savings accounts in particular, um, which I always talk about. Yada Savings. I'm not gonna turn this too much into a plug, but there is a, a link in the description to sign up for Yada, which I personally use. Learn a little bit about it. There's some reviews on the website, www.millennialecon.com. Um, but there's a place for saving for something. So for instance, maybe you're wanting to save up for a car, okay? Um, I, would not, I would not personally invest that money into the stock market if I'm looking to purchase a car in six months, because you don't know, the stock market could go down and you lose out on money and you know now you have less money than you did six months ago, right? Um, you know, Investing in the stock market typically is more of a long-term deal because the stock market does fluctuate. A savings account, a high-yield savings account, gives you that stability of um, shielding yourself from market fluctuation so that you can make a purchase in six months, okay? So I, I still do believe there's a place for savings accounts. However, if your primary... Um, place where you store money that you're going to use way far down the road. So let's just take a, a dramatic example. Let's say for retirement, you know, if you are, which not many people are, but if you are keeping all of your money in a retirement for retirement in a savings account, you're going to end up like the person I talked about at the beginning of the episode, where maybe you're able to accumulate three hundred thousand dollars by retirement. But that $300,000 isn't going to be worth nearly what it is now in 40, 30 years, you know, whatever, 50 years by the time you retire, okay? So the last place you want to keep money that you're wanting to access far down the road is a savings account because it's not accumulating any money. So what I think of when inflation happens is that for everything outside of my emergency fund and for everything outside of what I'm looking to, you know, I'm saving up for a purchase, you know, within the next year or two, um, I am, I'm investing. I'm investing because I want my money working for me. I want to find an investment that's diversified, that's stable, and that's outpacing the rate of inflation. Okay. 
the S&P 500 historically has a return between 7 and we'll say 8%, 7 and 10% to give you a wider range. Okay, year over year, since its inception, it is returned on average. Okay, this is an average. It doesn't mean every year it's returning this amount, but it means that one year maybe it's 10% and then one year maybe it's, you know, 3% and then maybe it has a really bad year where it has a net gain of nothing, has a net loss, and then the next year it's a, a net gain of a lot, right? But the average of all of this over the course of a long period of time has been 7 to 10%. Well, that's great because that 7 to 10% um, is outpacing the rate of inflation. That's why it's so important to be investing, Okay. So that's the first thing that I always think of. I need to put my money in something stable, something diversified that is going to outpace inflation. The, the topic of a mortgage always comes up as well, um, and really debt as a whole, um, because when you think of, so let's just, take some, let's just take somebody that has a mortgage of, I don't even know, $200,000, and let's just say for a nice round number there, mortgage and taxes and insurance and everything is $1,000 a month. Okay. Well, in 30 years, due to inflation, their home, number one, will be worth a lot more, okay, because due to inflation, home values will go up, most likely. And the, the average, let's just say, um, mortgage for somebody out there, um, you know, might be in 30 years, $3,000 a month because of the cost of a home. And say the average home cost, you know, in 30 years is $350,000 or maybe it's $400,000, okay? So this person locking in a low rate and having um, borrowed money on a two, on $200,000 for an asset that way down the road is worth $400,000 is a pretty good move, right? Um, so if you are paying off your mortgage early, you're essentially negating all of that um, appreciation and inflation hedge that you have for that 30 years by doing so, okay? Now, I'm just going into the dollars and cents of it. There's tons of psychological benefit from paying off a home early and not having to do that, make that payment every month. I get it. But when it comes to the dollars and cents, having a low interest, um, a low interest rate on borrowed money that is asset-backed like a home that typically increases in value is a hedge against inflation. So for this person, I probably, if, if we're just discussing not the psychology behind paying off a home early, but the math, I probably would recommend this person, um, or let's say if I was in their shoes and what I would do, I would not pay it off because that's not something that's hedging against inflation. Um, also, some things to think about in, in times of um, hyperinflation is you make big purchases now, because in a year or two, if you believe that inflation is going to increase and be at a very high level, in a year or two, those goods are and services are going to be a lot more. So purchase it now while your buying power is higher than it will be down the road. Okay. Um, also, something to consider during times of hyperinflation is that um, at the end of the day, if your salary stays the same, whatever you're making, whatever you're charging, if you own your own business... If you keep that the same and inflation increases, um, your salary is decreasing every year because the value of everything around you is going up, but the money you're bringing in is staying the same. So in times of hyperinflation, one thing I always think about too is how can I increase my income to keep up with inflation? Not all jobs give you raises every year to keep up with inflation. 
Okay, what that would look like is if we're seeing inflation rates every year at 3%, um, that you would get a pay increase every year of 3% to keep up with inflation so that your dollar that you're getting paid is not um, becoming less and less every year. So one thing that I would think about as well is how can I keep my income up with inflation or outpacing inflation, right? And that might look like getting your annual raise or asking for a raise or um, developing new skills um, to, to become more valuable to your company or even looking for a job that will pay you more because you don't want to be going backwards. You don't want to be stagnant with your salary while inflation is happening around you, which, and it happens every year. You want to be at least keeping pace with inflation. Okay, so I thought this was just an interesting topic. Um, the topic of inflation is is very... Um, it's a hot topic these days. I guess we could say that. So thank you so much for tuning into episode 72 and we will talk to you soon.